right, get in your Bible to Psalm 68. I was privileged to teach uh, the young couples class this morning, and I was real nervous there. I'm even more nervous now. The uh, last time I left Bible Baptist Church to preach on Sunday morning was last January when I came here. And uh, I love your pastor. Uh, I love what God is doing here through him. Uh, I appreciate your ministry. Uh, I have personally benefited from the camp, from the teen conference, from so many different things that this church has done over the decades. Thank you. And uh, this is my little way of, of just trying to give it back. Uh, I mean, it won't scratch the surface, but just try to give back. And uh, Psalm 68, uh, I am a church planter. Uh, my wife is a nurse. She uh, has had to work, couldn't come with me. And we have three boys. Uh, they're all grown. And I'm thankful that uh, all of them are saved all of them are in a church, and in fact, I'm privileged to serve with all of them uh, at Bible Baptist Church. And uh, when you plant a church, you start with nothing. Uh, had no building, didn't have any members, didn't have any money, didn't, I literally had nothing. And uh, to the glory of, of God, uh, he's done what Brother Steve mentioned, and I'm thankful uh, for that, and uh, I really am uh, just humbled to be here. Uh, Christ changed my life as a 24-year-old man, and uh, I hope I never get over it. Should be in your Bible in Psalm 68. It is no surprise that the words home and families and husband and wife and son and daughter, all of those words occur in the very first book of the Bible. Uh, there are three institutions the Lord started on earth, and one of those uh, is the family. And it's no surprise as Satan tries to destroy people and destroy America and destroy our Christian heritage, one of his targets is an attack on the family. Uh, uh, there's a story told about a pastor who uh, got a call one afternoon from one of the older men in his church who was living in a nursing home. His name was Benny. He was uh, 90. Uh, he called his pastor. And he said, hurry up, preacher. I've got to see you right now. It's important. Uh, get over here. Please hurry. Well, the pastor, you know, was very concerned. I mean, Benny was 90. He was in a nursing home. He went over there as quickly as he could. When he got there, uh, Benny, uh, he asked Benny, I mean, why did you call me? He said, well, uh, I want to get married, and I want you to perform the ceremony today. Well, the pastor was a little taken back. He said, Benny, you want to get married? He, he says, is the woman a Christian? And he said, no. He said, well, is she beautiful? He said, no. He said, well, Benny, I, I hate to ask this. Is she rich? He said, no. He said, well, Benny, why did you call me over here? Why do you want to marry this woman? He said, well, she can drive at night. <laughs> you know, that's not really a good reason to start a marriage. <laughs> but at this point, uh, if you're married or married with a family, how you started your family and marriage uh, are not important. At this point, what matters most is what will you do with your marriage and your family that you have now? 
Uh, did you know that any family, any home, any marriage who follows God's plan for the home will have a place of security, joy, and acceptance? I hope your home is one of those. If you're able to stand, if you would stand this morning in honor of the Word of God, the title of my thought this morning is, God setteth the solitary in families. God setteth the solitary in families. You should be in your Bible in Psalm 68. We read in the Word of God in verse 5, it says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Thank you. Might be seated. So we think about those verses we just read. Part of the character of the God of the Bible, our Creator, is on display. The Bible is a progressive revelation of who God is and His plan for mankind's redemption. And the most common form of idolatry in America is not chasing after uh, Ashtaroth or uh, Baal and the Canaanite deities. It's not chasing after Dagon and the Philistine deities. The most common form of idolatry in America today is to take the name of God or the name of Jesus, the God of the Bible, and attach a personality and a character that we like instead of going to the Bible to find out who God really is. Here, he teaches us a couple of things about who he is. We get a glimpse first in verse 5 into his tenderness. It says, a father of the fatherless, and a, uh, that's a description of God. He is a tender God. He is someone who's there for those who have been missing one of life's greatest blessings. A parent who's consistent and loving. Listen, you and I do not get to choose the home into which we were born. We do not get to choose the parents that we had. Uh, we do get to choose the kind of parent that we will be to our own children. God is a father to the fatherless. And if your parents did not step up for whatever reason, God offers you the consistent and loving influence of Him in your life. And if your parents did set a, uh, step up, uh, thank God that in addition to them, you have a creator, God the Father, the God of the Bible, who is there for you as well. He's not just the father of the fatherless, he's a judge of the widows. He's somebody who steps up to defend and stand up for those who don't have someone to do that in their life any longer. Uh, thank God for him being the defender of the defenseless. God is a judge of the widows. And notice, he dwells in his holy habitation. God is someone who loves holiness. The God of most of America is not holy. But the God of the Bible, our Creator, Jehovah God, He is a holy God. He loves holiness. Heaven has the complete absence of sin. He is a holy God. Heaven is a holy place. And the only way anyone gets to heaven, because we're all sinners, is to be made righteous in Jesus Christ. God is a holy God. In fact, apart from the merit of Jesus and the cross of Christ, you and I have no hope. But we also get a glimpse into the plan our Creator has for those who are lonely. Notice in verse 6, He setteth the solitary in families. Listen, we've all been there. 
I'm not the only one who's been in a crowd and felt alone. I'm not the only one who was in a situation where I wish someone would invite me to lunch. Every one of us here have felt the cold, clammy, clammy hand of loneliness from time to time. And I have no doubt that some within the sound of my voice, with one degree or another, are struggling with loneliness. God sets the solitary in families. And God intended our homes to be places of refuge, places of comfort, places of love, and places of acceptance, instead of places that are a, a battleground and places where we find none of the things God intended. Listen, finding a solitary place to pray to our God alone is one thing, but living a solitary life is another. And God Himself teaches us that family is the place where God sets the solitary to help them. This was like this from the beginning. I mean, God Himself formed a man from the dust of the ground, and God Himself breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the first thing God did with Adam was that He brought all the creatures of the field and the garden before Adam, and He let Adam name them. And when Adam was naming those creatures as time went on, it became increasingly apparent to him that there was no one else like him. Everything else had someone. But Adam did not, and God Himself looked at the situation, and He said it is not good that the man should be alone. And God made for him a wife, a woman. God said Adam in a family. There's a story told about a wife who went with her friend to the police station because she wanted to report that her husband was missing. When the policeman asked for a description of her husband, she said, he's 6'2", tall, blue eyes, dark wavy hair, athletic build, well-groomed, sharply dressed, he weighs 190. He's soft-spoken, well-mannered, and loves the children. Her friend elbowed her and said, your husband is fat, he's 5'3", he's rude, he smokes cigars, he's bald, he has a big mouth, he rarely bathes, he dresses sloppy, his teeth are rotten, and he's mean to your children. The wife said, I know, but who wants that guy back? God has a remedy for the loneliness of the solitary, and it is to set them in a family just like Adam. Boy, isn't it a shame that sin has turned so many homes to be dysfunctional and full of division instead of places of security and love and acceptance. By the way, it's no coincidence that the Lord describes the church and describes uh, us here as brothers and sisters in Christ. And He sets believers in a church family. Is it not a shame that sin and selfishness and pride have made so many churches places that are filled with dysfunctional and division when God intended to set the solitary in a family of His church. And God wants us to have healthy relationships both in our home and in His house. And it's no surprise that, as I mentioned earlier, one of the key places of Satan's attack has been on our family. He attacks the traditional family as God has established it in Scripture. 
And I could use illustration after illustration from the news how what it means to be a husband and wife and a man and a woman has just been absolutely torn apart by our spiritual adversary, the devil. Let me ask you this morning, what's your family like? Are you building it and establishing it like our Creator designed it to be? What's your role here in the church here at Shawnee Baptist? Are you handling it like the Lord intended you to handle His church? Whether we like it or not, the New Testament by and large is about the church. I mean, Paul wrote nine letters to seven churches. He wrote four letters to three church leaders. When Jesus went to address all of His people everywhere in the book of Revelation, He wrote seven individual churches in the area, the region of Asia, because the church matters to God. Uh, it happens in our church. There are people, they come in two minutes late, and then they leave when the invitation starts. Well, I just don't have any, I don't have any relationships in the church. That's surprising. Now, some people, they just talk through all the singing and stuff, so that doesn't bother them. But listen, uh, God, he, he understands that life in a broken world, when you and I have our own fallen nature, He understands that loneliness besets us all from time to time. And all of us go through circumstances when we really struggle with it. And God, because He's a tender Creator, He sets the solitary in families to help us when we struggle with being lonely. Say, Brother Wally, what can I do to make the situation with my family and my home better so that I can better battle loneliness for myself, so that I can better battle loneliness for my spouse, so that I can better battle loneliness for our children? What can I do to make that situation better? Go please first in your Bible to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. By the way, if I cough, I'm not sick. I have bad sinus uh, allergies, and um, they're flaring up. I meant to take uh, some sinus drug that's intended for sick people just to dry my sinuses up this morning, but I forgot. What can I do to make my situation, my home better, to make it the kind of place that God intended to batter loneliness? Here's number one. Acknowledge that God is the author of the home and family. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was asked a question in verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto Him, tempting Him, and saying unto Him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And He answered, and He said unto them, Have you not read? Now before we go on, I've got that little phrase underlined in my Bible. Say why? Jesus had His own authority. He was a Son of God. Every word He spoke was the Word of God. But to answer their question, He answered it in a manner that any one of His children could answer. He's going to answer with the Word of God. And He expected them to have read their Bible. By the way, seven occasions in the Gospel on five separate instances, Jesus said something like this. He expects His people to know His words. 
Verse 4, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man uh, put asunder. Notice Jesus acknowledges that God is the creator. Uh, You didn't evolve. You're not an accident. I don't care what PhD tells you that there was some fortunate series of events that happened to a bunch of chemicals and life began. No, God created man. And notice, God not only created man, uh, God began the institution of marriage. And so if you and I want to have a marriage that is a remedy for loneliness, a marriage where love and acceptance is prominent instead of division and dysfunctional, we must go back to the Creator and what He did to make the home what He wanted it to be. Now, I'm not very good at fixing things. Uh, I, uh, I know this to some of you all, you might want to put your fingers in your ears because this will re- really bother you. I don't have many tools, uh, and I use a lot of things improperly. Um, for instance, like a wrench is really good for a loosening and tightening bolts and nuts, but it makes a bad hammer. Um, I've used my wrenches as hammers. And I know that disgusts you, but I've also used channel locks as hammers. I've used all kinds of things as hammers. And it does something. But it never does the job like something doing the way it was created to do. A wrench was created by somebody to be a wrench and a hammer was created by somebody to be a hammer and and God created us and God created the institution of marriage and you and I, when we try to do life and we try to do marriage and we try to do home our way, understand you are trying to drive in a nail with a wrench. If we're ever going to have our homes be right, we must first go back to the Creator who designed them to find His intention. Government did not start marriage or home. Society did not start marriage or home. A romantic woman or an overbearing man didn't start marriage and home. Listen, God started marriage and God started home. And if we want to know how they should be, we must go to God. It begins there. Do you ever seek His will for your home? Do you let God decide what your role should be in the family? Do you believe our world when it decides what the role of men and women should be in the home? Or do you believe God? It's a story told about a young bride who was looking at a huge collection of pictures her photographer had taken of her family in preparation for her wedding. And she asked the photographer, can you clean up some of these blemishes on my, my face for the pictures? And he said, yeah, I can, I can do that. And she was encouraged by that. So she said, well, can you take 30 pounds off me for the pictures? And he said, well, yeah, I can do that too. And now she was really encouraged. She said, well, can you add them to my sister? Listen, this is not the way God intended home and family to be. I mean, I I get it that husbands and wives disagree and siblings disagree, but listen, there is a way 
that our Creator wants home done. And if we don't do it His way, it will not be what we wish it were. We cannot get God's result with our recipe. No one can change the home into which you were born. No one can change what you did yesterday. But everyone here can change today and tomorrow. None of us determined what kind of home into which we were born. But every one of us determined the kind of home we will pass on to our children. So Brother Wally, what can I do to make my home and family situation better to battle loneliness? Turn back a few pages, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. What can I do to make my home and family better to battle loneliness? Here's the second thing. Choose to follow God's plan and God's priorities in your home. Notice in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says in verse 31, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, uh, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. And again, I say unto you, and I'm in the wrong chapter. Go to, I said chapter 6, and I went to chapter 5. I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Uh, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Here it is. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You see, God's plan in your home begins with seeking God first. Do you seek God before anything else? Listen, it's very easy for all of us to seek things. And certainly things in some, as long as they're not in the throne of our life, there's nothing wrong with things. There's something greatly wrong when things are more important to us than the things of God. Now the great majority of people, unfortunately, are accustomed to making themselves first. I mean, after we've bought what we want, we give God some of the money after we've used our time on what we want, we'll give God some of the time. After we've exhausted what we know to do, we'll give God's way a short try. Listen, that is very different from seeking Christ and His kingdom first. So how can I make my family seek Christ first? That's a great question. Turn up in your Bible to Ephesians. Ephesians. By the way, everybody has their way of preaching the Bible, and I just happen to like to keep people turning. Now, if you don't like that, just forgive me. <laughs> How do I seek Christ first? What's the recipe? Notice in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 8, uh, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, if you're going to seek Christ first, you have to have saved people. Are you saved? Is Christ in your life? Have you been born again? 
Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. He's the one that said, uh, except you uh, be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Say, Brother Wally, I've been a Baptist for 40 years. Listen, they're not taking Baptist name tags in heaven. All they're looking for is the blood of Jesus, a relationship with the Son of God. Have you been born again? Say, Brother Wally, I know a lot of the people here at Shawnee, and I'm a better person than they are. Listen, that doesn't matter. You're not as good a person as Jesus is. And He's the standard. There is not one of us that has any hope outside the shed blood, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Listen, you'll never seek Christ first. You'll never seek the kingdom of God first until Christ is first in your life. Are you saved? Turn up a couple of pages then to Ephesians chapter 5. There are a lot of Christian people who hate this part of the Bible. Isn't that an amazing thing? The God who created us and created the home, and we hate His recipe. There's something wrong with that, Amen. So what's God's recipe for order in the home? And Ephesians 5 verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Notice that's your own husband, not every man. So I don't like his leadership. You picked him, sweetheart. Listen, uh, the only reason I have the good woman I had is she had bad taste in men when she picked me. And you better not be, get too haughty because if she'd have really thought through it and really knew you, she might not have picked you either. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And brother, it doesn't stop there. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Listen, a healthy marriage relationship has two saved people, a wife who tries to submit herself to the loving leadership of a husband, and a husband who tries to provide loving, consistent leadership of his wife. So, well, my wife won't follow my leadership. Listen, if it was better, she'd probably do better. And the fact of the matter is, is your love for her isn't contingent on how well she does her job. Your love for her is contingent upon Christ being in your life. And you doing what Christ says, which is to honor your wife and love her more than you love yourself. There ain't a man here who doesn't love himself. Not one. And you're supposed to love your wife more. Let me ask you a question, brother. Does your wife feel loved and honored by you? Let me ask you, sister in Christ, does your husband feel like you sincerely try to follow his leadership? Listen. There's no wife or husband that's perfect. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. 
But we're either sincerely trying to do this or we're not. Don't think for a minute you're going to have a home God blesses, a home that's a recipe to loneliness, a home that's a place of love and acceptance unless you try to follow God's plan for your home. It was math time during school. I know a lot of people don't like them, but one of the most effective ways to learn math is story problems. Story problems that apply the math you learned. And there's a story told about a teacher who asked a little boy this question. He says, suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? Well, without hesitating, the little boy said a sixth. Teacher said, you don't know your fractions. But she did want to help, and so she said, remember, there are seven you, seven of you. The little boy said, yes, ma'am, I understand. Um, you don't know my mom. My mom w- would say, I don't want any pie, so we could all have more. Let me ask you, <laughs> what do your kids see? Do your kids see a mom who tries to follow God's plan? Do your kids see a dad who unconditionally loves his wife? Please hear me. I get our nation is in bad shape. But God, if God didn't destroy Sodom for ten righteous people, God's not going to destroy America as long as there are righteous people around The problem is not what everybody else is doing. The problem is here in God's house. Is your home a battleground? Is your home a place of division? Is it a place where people can just come and, you know, just sit down I'm home. Or is it the kind of place that you would never really want to go when you're feeling lonely because it wouldn't help you? If that's the case, God wants to change some things in your home. And it starts with you and I being the right kind of people. Are you saved? Are you looking to fill God's role in your home? Have you just simply acknowledged the fact that God designed marriage and Princeton University has no idea how to fix it? And I plead with you this morning in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. He wants your home to be a place of refuge.